Good morning. I wish I could give you guys access to my head. It would make things so much easier. Come on in. You know, the Lord seeks to build faith. And he does that sometimes in strange ways. He does that in the unknown. He does that in even, I'm getting a little bit of a ring on my mic here. He does that even sometimes when we see this path in front of us that has always been there. And then as we step, the path's gone. It's like, okay. Well, you told me to step, so I step. Where now? This morning's going to be a little bit different. I don't even know what it's going to look like. I just know what he said to me. You know, each day I press into him and I say, what do you want for Sunday? What do you want to say to your people? And usually by the time I come up here, he's at least given me an idea or maybe gave me a verse or even a sentence. But for the last couple of days and last night and this morning, I'm pressing into him and he's just silent. And I couldn't see him, but I felt like he was smiling. So I don't know if that was a smirky smile or, you know, like, hey, are you going to trust me? And by the way, I'm not saying this because I'm trying to uh, waste time giving him a moment to tell me. I, I know what we're doing this morning. That's, that's not the purpose of me saying this. The purpose is because he wants to build your faith. Just like he builds my faith. And I'm going to warn you ahead of time because there is something that I want to pull up. But the one thing he did say to me this morning is ask them where they're at. Ask them where they're at. So I want you to think about that for a minute because we're going to open this up to questions. And I went round and round with the Lord on, on, okay, how in the world do we do this? Do we, do we go ahead and go offline because, you know, this is more for just this physical group here? And he said, no. I said, okay. But I do want you to not hold back because we're online. Do you understand? This is about knowing who you are. 
knowing your calling, at least in a general sense. You may not know each step. You may not even know the next step. But do you know who you are? I want you to pull up, AV team, pull up that first song that, that our worship team wrote. And I want you to pull up specifically the second verse, I believe it was, if I remember correctly. It was <laughs> it's the one where Brooke said she ran out of breath. That's the whole song, right? Am I in the right song, right? The battle of range. Yes. Okay. I believe this is it. The battle is raging, but I see things changing. The manifestation is building, it's shaking. The kingdom of heaven is coming to earth and reviving, transforming, rebuilding. You know I might struggle and father but and falter, but that doesn't matter because Jesus is with me and I am his treasure. He formed me, he chose me. He's going to grow me. Say it all together. Until I know who I am. Amen. Go to that next one. Do you know how precious you are to Him? Not precious to the point of, okay, here, just sit there and I'm going to do this stuff for you so you can just receive. What is more precious than that? when He includes you. When He includes you as part of His plan. When He includes you in what He's doing. When He gives you purpose. A few slides back, it said His, the manifestation is coming or something to that effect where, where we are in this process of the manifestation building. You've all heard it said, the Bible talks about this, that anything that happens on earth first was, anything that God does on earth first, He did in heaven, right? And what is that manifestation? It is the manifestation of things that were done in the Spirit. Do you think you have a part in that? Who do you think He means when He says, in the Spirit? Is it just the Holy Spirit? Or is it our spirits communing with Him, our spirits that are communing with His Spirit? That's what faith is, guys. Why is faith powerful here on earth? It's because it is already established in heaven. When you believe, there is power added to that belief Because your spirit is walking in that belief. Even though it might take a bit for our bodies and our minds to get there. 
Lord told me a few years ago that our spirits learn differently than our minds. I don't know how to back that up in Scripture, but I could certainly back it up in my life. (laughs) Your spirit learns differently than your mind. We could see inferences to that. When God said, David is a man after my own heart. Wait a second. In the physical realm, David was a murderer. He was an adulterer. He was a liar. He was conceited. He manifested all these things that we would say would separate him from God. And yet God said, he is a man after my own heart. We would look at his family. Sorry to be harsh here. We would look at his family and we would say, no, he could not have been a good man. Because look at his family. In his family there was incest. Incestual rape, in fact. There was murder. His own son tried to murder him to take the throne. And the son who God called came from that sin. And yet even that son ended his life on a very sad note. Literally opening the door for the worship of Baal. But yet God said, he is a man after my own heart. Why? You see evidence of it when Nathan confronted him about the murder and about Bathsheba. What was his reaction? Repentance. Immediate repentance. Because his heart of hearts desired God over his own feelings. Over his own things. He was a man after God's own heart. The truth is, he knew who he was in God. Now, I don't know if he only realized that he would be king when... Samuel came and anointed him. I don't know if that's what gave him the courage to go after Goliath the way he did, but I don't think it was. I don't think it was at all. He even gave evidence to the fact that it was his personal time with the Lord, sitting there as a shepherd, honestly, with very little to do. Then here comes a bear. Here comes a lion. I don't know about you, but I would think a normal shepherd boy would run from that. You know, it's not like the shepherd boys today. Certainly the Fulani that carry AK-47s. <laughs> it's not like that. David didn't have an AR-15 to take care of that lion or that bear. David had God. He had built his faith upon a kingdom that he could not see. 
That's what God is asking you to do right now. Build your faith upon a kingdom that you cannot see. Why? Because it's time. It's, for, it's time for that kingdom to be here. To manifest. Those manifestations are building. Don't be surprised for what you see in the earth. Don't be surprised because it is not the hand of Satan doing it. Trust me. Satan is afraid. Satan is running. He is waiting for his cornering. This has nothing to do with Satan. Except for what Satan sowed before. He is now reaping. And will reap. Because that manifestation is building. His kingdom that Jesus Christ brought to this earth 2,000 years ago and paid to be here is now time for it to become manifest. That's the great mystery. We've talked about this many times, the great mystery, which is the bride. You know the tough part about a mystery You only get to know the parts as God reveals it, or as the person who knows the mystery reveals it. So you have to pay attention. You can't rely on what you knew in the past. You can't rely on how you equate things intellectually when God says that we're to worship Him in spirit. And in truth. Not worshiping him in the latest thing that I can learn intellectually. I used to be that way. I used to think the the power in knowing God was to cram as much information into my brain as possible. And so I'd study. I'd study. And I loved it. I'm not downing it. I I loved it. And, And I loved the fact that God allowed me to see it differently. And as I would see it, I would find myself on this fringe of people that were considered to be a little off. You know, those people that think there's more to God than a list of rules. If David had relationship with the Lord and he was a murderer and an adulterer, why can't I? I've not murdered anybody. I've not committed adultery. And these are how, how I these are the things I used to think. Okay, why why why, Lord? Why is he a man after your own heart? I want your heart. I desire your heart. When you do that in your spirit, He takes your spirit through a process that then brings your mind along. And that process is faith. You cannot do this without faith. In fact, His 
manifestation of His kingdom on this earth will not happen if there was no faith. But yet it's happening. It's because there is faith found on the earth. It may only be in a remnant. But there is faith. that, And, and a, a special kind of faith. A faith that holds no barriers. A faith that says, all I need to know, God, is that it's you, and that's it. I don't need anything else. I just have to know it's you. If I know it's you, then I'll believe it, and I'll walk in it, which is the real power, by the way. The power isn't just by the faith. It says in James... That if you don't have the walk of that faith, you don't have the faith. There's no power in that faith. And what he is doing now in the bride, in this grand mystery, is putting you in places in your spirit where he's going to expect your mind and your body to go. You ready for that? You ready for that? That's why he wanted me to ask you, where are you at? So I want you to think about that because I want to open it up to questions here. But before I do, let me pray. Father, I trust you. Lord, you're building an army. And that army is not built just by speaking and listening. It's built by interaction. It's built by discipleship. It's built by the very template that your son laid out when he walked with his disciples. They poured into each other. They asked questions. They were given answers. They were sharing it amongst each other. I know that is what you want of us. I pray for your will this morning, Lord. I will walk in obedience of your will. I pray that you give clarity. Pour your grace. We invite your Holy Spirit to move throughout questions and answers. It's a waste of time for us to be here just to hear from us. We desire to hear from you. We love you and thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I know that online... It makes it a little bit tough. For those online, especially those who hear this later, you can email us any question and we'll engage with it. Oh, okay. Uh, If if you're on Facebook Live and you want to post a question on there, you you can post that there. And if it is... Later, like you're listening to this later in, in a, in a, uh, after the actual live event or whatever, then, then you could still post it on Facebook and we'll answer that question there.
but I want to know where you're at. Where are you at? And I'm, I'm talking about more in your faith. Not, not on a physical, personal level. I, I, I'm not talking about that like, well, you know, if, if I'm going to do the Lord's will, I need a better car. <laughs> not talking about that. I'm talking about your faith. Where's your faith at? Over the last few weeks, we've talked about many things that are coming, many things that are happening. We could talk about some of that today, even. But I want to open it up to questions first. Are there any? You raise your hand. Um, go ahead and give the mic over to him. So, so uh, yeah, so it can be heard online. Sure. Yeah, go ahead. So, so, Greg, you mentioned that your spirit learns before your mind and body. And you know that from your own life. Can you give an example of that? Uh, just to kind of clarify to me and perhaps others, what does that look like? Well, this morning's a good example, right? In, in my spirit, the Lord was telling me, ask them where they're at. Nothing else. So my faith had to fall back to something he told me a long time ago, and that is that he will always fill my mouth. It hadn't been filled yet. In fact, even walking up here, I didn't know what was going to be filled. But my spirit knew because my spirit was at peace. My spirit trusted. I mean, I don't know why I can't know everything my spirit knows. <laughs> that would be easy, right? If, if, our, if our spirit was the same as our, our mind and our will, well, honestly, then there would probably be no reason for faith. I can definitely confirm something very interesting. Greg and I had not spoken at all about this. And ladies, you know from being in the class, that is the exact question that I wrote on the board. Really? Yes. Well, um, then maybe you should stand up so, here with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, um, I mean, that, that just shows you that when you are in the, the abiding place, when you're in the Holy Spirit, he will give you confirmation of things. He will, he will make it plain. And when your heart is prepared um, to allow the Holy Spirit of God to flow according to his plan, no matter how um, unconventional it may be delivered or what expectations are on you for you know, how a service is supposed to look like, how a res what a response is supposed to look like, what you're supposed to be responsible to or whatever. When you genuinely are seeking the heart of the Lord, he will, he will connect it. And so this is an amazing confirmation. Um, the, the thing I will just add then to, and, and Rich can clarify if he has any more um, a way he wants to frame his question in more depth, but I will only say how I have noticed that God readies um, my spirit is that he will prepare us in the spirit as we are seeking him, as we're praying, as we're just, there's just willing surrender 
And even when I'm reading the word and I can't quite grasp it, there will be a moment of revelation that will be so profound to my mind because of how he prepared my heart and my spirit. Um, oftentimes people say that, they get, uh, that the Lord speaks to them through dreams. And sometimes God can speak more clearly to people in dreams because they get their brain out of the way. And it's why it's also very important to pray over your dreams um, because people's spirits can be very vulnerable when, you know, because the enemy is on that highway as well. But, but I know that he creates these divine revelation uh, appointments, if you will, to, to our minds and to, our, our, to the human realm um, that come because he already prepared our spirit to be there. Whereas sometimes we're not ready. And I see that in the life of the disciples, too, that the more they surrender, the more they were willing to follow without answers. Then, they, then when it was at the appointed time and their spirits had learned, they were then able to, um, to grasp what the Lord was saying. Because you see many times in the New Testament where Jesus is saying something profound and significant, and it went right over their heads. They didn't see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then at, that, at the next you know, particular point in, in their lives, they were able to receive it. So I'm going to let Bryn make a comment. Uh, I just wanted to say that when the Lord said that statement, which was your spirit learns differently than your mind, he was actually answering me to a question I had asked him. And this is goes along with what Alexis was just saying, Rich, but just to answer your question. Uh, the reason I asked the question was because during the night, um, I recognized that my spirit was engaged in something that that my body and mind were not engaged in. And it wasn't a dream. I, I've learned to understand dreams, and I've learned to understand when my spirit is doing something during the night. So that is what happened. I kept having these experiences during the night where uh, there was a glory happening, and I, it was just out of my reach. I kept feeling like I, I'm getting to it, and then I would wake up, and I would be so frustrated. So that's why I asked the question to the Lord, and that's when he said, your spirit learns differently than your mind. Be patient. Well, I was like, I don't know what that means. Okay. You know, but I have since recognized that um, after that, the Lord would start to show me things that my spirit was doing in the future. And I would get these glimpses, and then a few months later, that thing would happen. So it was like he was, like Alexis just said, preparing me in my spirit to do what I am going to do in the future. I don't know if that helps anything, but that would at least be an example to answer your question. Yeah, and Rich, I'll I'll give you a personal example for you. When the Lord started speaking to you about the courts, okay, and about about what it meant to have freedom, right? Intellectually, you didn't necessarily understand that at the time. Your spirit began to believe through your faith to draw you to a process that until you went through it, you couldn't explain it. 
And, and by the way, I'm using you as an example, but this has been the same with all of us that have done this. Let me, let me know when you get the battery checked on it. Um, but any time that we step forward in a place of, of faith, it is our spirit that is ahead of our body because our body can't reconcile with that and our mind can't necessarily reconcile with that either. We, we go and, and we start to get parameters proven to us, like in the case of the courts. Okay, we went to Scripture, right? You and I talked about going to Scripture and where it talks about a court and how, how the whole book of Job is actually a courtroom scene, effectively, right? And, and so you can go and you can get parameters for what that means for your mind, but you cannot know it without faith, you can't step through it without that faith. So, so what God does is he does, when we step out in faith, he is teaching our spirit. It's almost like the spirit is a lot faster than our mind, right? Because remember, our mind and our bodies are, thank you, our mind and our bodies are, Fallen flesh, right? Especially our bodies. Is that working now? Okay. Uh, here's this. Um, so, when we step in faith, that is the activity of our spirit. We can't know who we are in Christ if we're if our only focus is our mind, our body, what we know, right? We've talked about this many times. You can only know who you are in Christ through faith. Why? Because it hasn't manifested yet. Are you a king? Are you a priest? Right? Do you rule nations? Well, no. You, if you look at that through the manifested physicality of your body or your mind, you have to say no. But by faith, that's who Jesus says you are. You're a king. You're a priest. You know, there are only three different types in the Bible that are kings and priests. Did you know that? Jesus himself was a king and a priest. That's what it says. Melchizedek, who really, I believe, was a theophany, which was a presentation of Jesus Christ. He was kings and priests. But guess who else are? Those who accepted Jesus Christ as Savior were kings and priests. But yet we don't walk as kings and priests. 
It's by faith that we understand who we are for the purpose of walking in that, that it becomes manifest. His kingdom is to be manifest. Jesus paid. Do you think he just paid for you to go to heaven 2,000 years ago? Do you think that's all he paid for? I mean, (laughs) wow. I mean, that cheapens his blood. His blood, he said, paid for everything. What does that mean? Everything that was lost. In Genesis 3, there was a significant loss when Satan was handed the deed to the world. Right? He was literally handed it. He became prince and power of the air. Adam, who was supposed to, Adam and Eve, who were supposed to subdue the earth and bring a place of worship in all of creation, worship to God. And dramatically failed. Failed before there were even other humans. (laughs) So there was a lot to pay for. There was a lot to be reversed. That's what Jesus' blood paid for. By the way, he didn't pay for you to go to heaven. He paid for the opportunity for you to go to heaven. He never took away your choice. It's your choice to choose him or not. He never took away your choice. But he paid for more than that. He paid for creation literally to be reversed. Entropy to be reversed. The fall to be reversed. Have you thought about that? What does that mean? I know if you'd asked me that 15 years ago, I would have said, well, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, that's, that's maybe during the thousand-year reign, or, but it's probably kind of after the thousand-year reign. When, when kind of human frailty and, and who we are as sinners is, is just gone, that cheapens his blood because he's already paid for it. There's no part of that that still has to be paid. He said on the cross, it is finished. What is finished? Everything. Everything. He finished everything. He finished his part. Okay, so why then, why is Satan even around? Why is there bad in the world? Why is there Satan's seed? That's a rabbit hole. We're not, not going to necessarily go down this morning, but we know that the man of lawlessness will be a seed of Satan. The Antichrist will be a seed of Satan. We know that historically and even up through today, there are seeds of Satan. Why? Wait a second, Jesus already paid for it. Why? Why hasn't he taken ownership of it yet? Because of the very partnership that was broken in Genesis 3, It was his partnership with his creation, with 
mankind with man and woman that was to be a relationship where he worked symbiotically through. Worked through faith. What was destroyed in Adam? Yeah, relationship. His faith was destroyed. His faith was attacked. So that is what God is repairing. That relationship between creator and created. That is supposed to be a symbiotic relationship where we walk in the cool of the day with him. Where we fulfill what he told Adam and Eve to do in the first place. That's why we're going through what we're going through now. That's why the shaking. That's why all of these things are happening. Because what has to come first is exposure, just like the law. Why did God bring the law? It says it in Hebrews. He brought it to make man aware that he couldn't fulfill it. That he needed a Savior, needed a Messiah. Why is all this junk coming out? Why is it, it was brought up in gifts meeting yesterday. Why is it that in this country, we have evidence out there for all to see, and yet no accountability is held? Like literally, they're treasonous acts. And should be paid with the penalty of death. But yet, not even, they're not even arrested. They're celebrated. Wait, what? Why? Oh, well, Satan must be in control. No. No, it's like bringing the law. God brings transparency for the sake of us recognizing we can't do this on our own. We need a Savior. We need a Messiah. And it's not good enough for the remnant to know that. Why? Because we're supposed to subdue the earth. <laughs> the earth has more than the remnant. Right? The earth has a lot of people that are blind. Still have free will, still have free choice. And it starts with that partnership, understanding who they are. So is there another question? Did somebody else have their hand up? Yeah, go ahead. So my question um, is that I have a lot of things, even just things written down or kept that the Lord has said about who I am. Um, like uh, you have my heart and mind or your your willingness is without cap, things like that. And I'm wondering how it is that you think about how it is that we're really supposed to think about those things, because sometimes sometimes maybe maybe it's not that there's one one right answer, but sometimes I feel like it's actually my faith in that that causes the Lord to manifest it in my life, like causes it to be able to be manifested in my life. And sometimes I feel like the Lord has me act on those things without necessarily feeling them yet, if that makes sense. 
Sometimes faith is leading us to a place of belief so the Lord can do it, right? Because he's already called it into your life, right? There are other times in faith where it is his will, but he's waiting for someone to step up. Especially the times in which we find ourselves now. That's the difference between the bride and a remnant of the bride. Are, are some, is it just the remnant that's saved? No, they're all saved. The entire bride, to be the bride, you've accepted Jesus Christ into your heart as Savior. Right? So why is there a remnant? Okay, a remnant are those who believe. Those who walk in a faith step that is beyond what their mind, intellect, and body can understand. So sometimes God is putting it out there, and not that he doesn't know, because of course he knows. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows who would be his remnant. He knows who are going to accept him. He knows all of those things. But yet he also has this hard and fast rule that he paid a dear price for, and that is to never take away our choice. So we have a choice. So God waits to see in the moment, in the time, of who will choose by faith to step. Sometimes it is a timing thing, but sometimes it is a willingness thing on the part of the people, right? And we see examples of this in the Word of God, but, but truly, there are doors that have been opened and available to the bride ever since the bride was a bride. And that was 2,000 years ago when Jesus started the church. Right? We have had all these things available to us. Relationship with Him has been available to us. Right? His kingdom, He said, His kingdom was here then. And it manifests through Jesus' life and then started to manifest through many of the apostles' lives. But why did it die off after that? It's because Satan came in to attack the one thing that would propel it forward, and that is faith, what you're talking about. Sometimes that faith is to walk along a path that God has specifically designed for you. And then other times that faith is to walk along a path that he's opened to anybody who is willing. Only he can show that. Does that answer your question? Um, I want to I give a scripture that, that kind of hopefully connects with this. If you could pull up in the Amplified Classic, the last two verses... In Hebrews chapter 10, and then the first verse in Hebrews 11, uh, 38. Hebrews 10, 38, and 39, and then the first verse in Hebrews 11. In verse 38, it says, But the just shall live by faith. That is, and this is amplified. I won't change that. Yeah, it's a amplified classic. That is, my righteous servant 
shall live by his conviction respecting man's relationship to God and divine things and holy fervor born of faith and conjoined with it. And if he draws back and shrinks in fear, my soul has no delight or pleasure in him. But our way is not that of those who draw back to eternal misery, perdition, and are utterly destroyed. But we are of those who believe, who cleave to and trust in and rely on God through Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and by faith preserve the soul. And then one of my favorite translations is this translation of Hebrews 11.1, 1, which is now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of, of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. You will see all throughout the rest of Hebrews 11 this, this issue of faith and, and even the question of where are we in our faith. When you look at faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses, what God is asking us to believe for is something that is beyond, and this is going to sound like heresy, so hang on, it's not it's beyond the word of God. It is not in disagreement whatsoever with the word of God. But when we will only believe for what is revealed to our senses, i.e. our intellect or our capacity to understand in the human realm, we will always limit our faith. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think people get caught up in is, well, I want to believe for this or that, but I I don't understand it. And quite frankly, that lack of understanding is what, you know, how the enemy um, through the serpent caught Eve in the trap. She didn't understand why God said not to touch that tree. And so her need to know caused her to step outside. So I have I've found that the word of God, when, when you see these, these people in what, what we call the hall of faith in this chapter, They were all examples of personal relationship with God, hearing his voice in closeness. Um, And and many of them, like Abraham, didn't have the word to read. He had that personal relationship with God and his voice. And when you go, when you you seek the, the letter of the word of God without the spirit of the word of God, you will always go astray. There was a whole... There have been whole periods in our history and in some places still, it's still happening, where people will use scripture, the scripture that talks about slaves should be completely subject to their masters. And during the Civil War in, this own na- in our own nation, that was the justification for brutal slavery. They would literally tout the word of God justifying the brutality of these slaves when, because they were, they were touting just the letter, just the letter of, of the word of God. And... So I find it interesting that we have to believe beyond. And, of course, the best example of people misinterpreting and misusing the word of God is Satan himself in Luke 4 um, when he tempted Jesus with the very word of God. Mm-hmm. So faith is, is the connection with the spirit of God. We do need the word of God. And, and you hear Greg say that all the time. You show me in your word. I need to know that it's you because matters of faith 
and, and to your point about blindness, get blocked every time there has to be an understanding outside of our spirits. And we're not willing to, to believe God in really what this chapter and what this really this verse talks about. It's a conviction of a reality of a kingdom because of our love and surrender for God. Our love for God, our receiving of him, and our surrender to him that will allow us to, um, to then grow close to him. And, and the other thing I want to mention quickly, not to go on with too long with this, but part of why our spirits learn faster is because... God can speak directly into something that has no limitations. And so when we're, when we're willing to, um, to just give God our all, he brings us to the place where now all of a sudden he can actually reveal his, his very word, the, the very word of God. He can give us deeper revelation in the word than our intellect could ever attain. And I, for somebody like me, I was an average student I have every capacity, every availability, every um, offer from the Lord to have the deep wisdom of, the, of God without tremendous intellect. You know, it used to be that just the scholars would know the deep things of God. No, not, not at all. The deep things of God are revealed through the Spirit, to our spirits. And oftentimes it goes far beyond our brains. But I think that it's, it's stepping in that assurance that, that draws us closer to him, and then through that we find out who we are. Because as we soak in him, all of a sudden he downloads things, and we get this revelation of, oh my goodness, he's showing me something of me that is to come. And it might be something, like Bryn said, that is ahead of me. Mm-hmm. I haven't attained that yet. It might be like, like a four-year-old seeing themselves at 16. Okay, it's not time yet, but I'm about to step in that reality, and I will get there if I don't abort the plan by not believing. So, so I want to bring this down to your chair, okay, because it's easy to listen to all this in kind of a groupthink way, right? But I want to bring it to your chair. We've been talking for a long time however long you've been part of this church, we, almost since the beginning, but we've been talking about your calling, your specific calling in what's coming. Okay? I'm not talking about what's already happened. I'm not talking even about what's here. I'm talking about by faith what the Lord has told us is coming. I think that's what he's referring to when he says, ask them where they're at. Ask them if they're ready. You know, we talk about the readying of the bride. We talk about the floodgates opening. We talk about the times in which we live right now, where you have opportunity even right now in your daily lives to do what God wants you to do, right? But that's my question. From where you sit... Right now, where are you at? If these doors were to open right now, and we had 5,000 people flood in, manifesting demonic spirits, crying for desperate help, not knowing because of fear, what's going on in the world. 
would you be ready? I don't ask that just off the cuff. I ask that because we're on the doorstep of that happening. Are you ready that in your own house you're going to have people come to your front yard and your door and just sit out front and wait till you walk outside because they just don't understand. They're drawn to a light, but they don't understand why. In sitting there, do you, do you think about those things? Are you ready for that? Or do you think that, well, you know, yeah, that, that really is, is for somebody else. That's, that's really maybe for the pastor or for the staff or, or, you know, for somebody who is just a little, little bit more gregarious in their personality. No, I've told you a long, for a long time, if you're here at Ignition, that is your calling. God is getting you ready for that very thing. So where are you at? Are you ready for that? Because his timing is not waiting on us being ready. I mean, please understand that. His timing is set. I think that's part of why you see this divide in the church today. And man alive, every time I turn around and think that line can't get any deeper, God brings out a sharper knife and he goes deeper. I never in a million years would have, if, you, if you'd have told me this ten years ago, said that the church is going to go woke. I said, well, I know they need to wake. <laughs> That's God dividing that line. Okay, what about those millions of people who are sucked into that, that are part of the bride, have accepted Jesus Christ into their heart, have been sucked into that, and now all of a sudden this fear is hitting. And trust me, the fear that is hitting now is nothing compared to what's coming. And, and let me be clear, that fear is not for the remnant. Because it's something God is doing. Not something Satan's doing. That fear literally is turning against what brought it out in the first place? You're starting to see that. You know, I, I mean, you see, you see these signs of, well, they're starting to kind of turn on each other and fight each other now. Why? Because they're not satisfied. Sin is never satisfied. And because it's God's plan to bring an awareness to the earth, what is that awareness? That we need a Messiah. We need a Savior. And the cool thing is we don't have to wait for God to send one. Because he sent him 2,000 years ago. We already have him. Are you ready to go out on your front porch and preach that? When you have 50, 60, 100 people on your lawn. Because they see a light in you. 
And they have expectation that you have an answer because of this light. If you don't believe me, then you don't understand what the Bible has revealed about the mystery. In fact, turn to Revelation. Turn to Revelation chapter 10. We know that the seventh trumpet is what describes the readying of the bride. It's what describes the the global leading where the righteous are lifted up, right? The world is at peace, right? The world is happy when the righteous increase, it says in Proverbs. But in chapter 10, verse 7, But that in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled. What mystery? It's the mystery that Paul talks about. This mystery of the Gentiles being grafted into God's plan. It is how it went from the law, as Paul talks about in Galatians, to inclusivity of the Gentiles. Not under the law, by the way, but by grace. Not by grace so you could sin, which it says in Galatians, but by grace literally because you don't want to sin. Why? Because there's a cost of being close to Him when you do. When you know who Jesus Christ really is, beyond accepting Him as Messiah, when you know Him in relationship, when you know that He will speak to you, when you know that you can have conversations with Him, when you know that He will direct your every step, that relationship becomes precious to you. Now all of a sudden you become the best adherer to the law. (laughs) Except through grace. It's not to fulfill a law for the sake of fulfilling a law for closeness. It's for the sake of closeness. I want you to guide in my life. I want you to reveal sin that separates me from you. As David said, even even something I don't know. Even something I may not understand. We could cry out to him and he does that because his purpose is the same. It's relationship with you. What he has been building in you, church, this church, Ignition Church, whether it be here, whether it be in Nigeria, or whether it be those other those others that are scattered around, what He has been building in you is a light that people are about to be drawn to. Get that in your mind. Get that in your mind. Prepare for it. And, and I don't even... I'm not saying how far to go in that. I'm not, not saying, you know, put a sound system out on your front porch... What I'm saying is, be ready. Be ready. Be ready to share that 
light. He may use you one-on-one. He may use you in front of 100,000 people. It shouldn't matter. From the beginning, it's never mattered to me how many people are here. If there's one, it doesn't matter. Because I am just obligated to do what the Lord tells me to do, regardless of the reception of it. Was there another question? Otherwise, I'm going to keep going with this. Any other questions? Yeah. Uh, Where's the microphone? Because this is about you guys. I I want you to raise your hand if there's something. Yeah. You were talking about being prepared and being ready for what's to come. I liken that also to Matthew, I want to say 25, where it talks about the ten virgins and how they were to have their oil lamps ready with oil. Maybe yeah. that's for this time. Maybe th- this is now where we have to have our oil lamps full so that we can have that light for when the when they are coming to look for an answer. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, what it's talking about is his coming kingdom, right? In Matthew 25. In Matthew, it's you see the same thing in Luke, but what's interesting, when you pull those two up, they're a little bit different. Because in Matthew, you see from a template of Israel. Luke, you see from a template of the Gentile. But bottom line, what is happening there? What does it mean to trim our oil, to have our oil, to be prepared in that way? It is that relationship. It is what we're talking about this morning. It is the seeking Him. But what I want to get across more than that, because I know a lot of people here seek him, but they can't see in their mind that they're going to be preaching to anybody. Okay, I would have loved to have taken that poll from the disciples. How many of you at the beginning, you know, if, if, if we were there talking to them, how many of you think that you're preaching You'll be preaching to the world. How many of you think that you'll be martyred? How many of you think that this will happen or that? Guarantee you. We we know their mindset because they said their mind. Even up to the very night that Jesus was put on trial, they were thinking something else. They were waiting for him to come and kill their enemy. To bring a physical kingdom right there and then. So were they prepared? Well, no, you could argue they weren't prepared at all on that night that Jesus was put on trial. Why? Because they all ran. We have the benefit that they did not have. We have the benefit that faith became flesh. We get to look historically on what they did and what Jesus did. That, okay, you know what? Three days later, he did raise from the dead. Seen by over 500 people. He did raise from the dead. He did give his charge. Everything he said he was going to do, he did. We have the benefit of looking back on that And having that confidence.
But yet oftentimes we fall into the same thought process. How does that really affect me? You know, Lord, what are you going to use me for? What am I going to do? But in the last day, in the days of the final trumpet, days, by the way, it doesn't say day, doesn't say when that trumpet is blown on that moment. It says the days of the trumpet. That is a time period. The mystery of God would be fulfilled. Guess what happens for it to be fulfilled? It means we get to see it. We get to understand it. When Jesus died on the cross and rose again three days later, finally, the disciples get to put it all together. Oh, that's what you meant. Okay. It was fulfilled in their mind. That's why when the Holy Spirit fell on them, they were able to preach in power. Because it all was put together for them. That's what's coming, guys. That's what's coming. Let's go a little further down. You go past two witnesses, down to verse 15 of chapter 11. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. What does that mean? That means not that his kingdom came here. That happened 2,000 years ago. It means that it is manifest. The kingdom of heaven has come, or the kingdom of God has come, and has become the kingdom of the world. That means the rulership. That means all that goes into the governing, the stewardship, is all in His kingdom manifest right here on this earth. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces, worshiping God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged. Do you see evidence of that? The nations have raged. They've been raging. They're raging even more and more. But your wrath came. Talking about God's wrath. And the time for the dead to be judged and for the rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for the destroying the destroyers of the earth. Remember I said to you, the Lord told me a long time ago that His plan for history and prophecy moving forward is all laid out in the book of Zechariah. Do you know something happened in Zechariah chapter 3 that was a game changer? Zechariah chapter 3 was when it talked about the court of nations effectively being opened up. The rulership on this earth being opened up and mankind being put in charge of it. I'm not going to go through it. You go, go back and read it. 
The interesting thing is that never happened to Joshua, who was the high priest at the time. Never happened. It talked about his high priest position also becoming a ruler, a king, a place of leadership in the world. That never happened either. So you can look at it and say, oh, wait a second, that, you know, that, that was false prophecy. Except if you read clearly in the vision, God tells Zechariah, tell Joshua and the men sitting with him that they're a picture of what's coming. See, it was not time for his bride yet because Jesus hadn't paid the price. But we do have access to that court. And this is where your faith is going to be stretched a little bit. Certainly those online, maybe those here are fine. Especially if you've been here for a while. But we have been given access to that court. We have read, I have read up here on Sunday mornings, transcript after transcript after transcript. And, and if anybody wants them, I'll show them to you. I'll give them to you. Of the very thing that is being talked about in Revelation, the destruction of the destroyers. Remember how I've talked about the, the head has been cut off? Right? The head of the serpent has been cut off and now it's flailing around. doesn't mean that it's not affecting anything. It's just flailing, flailing around. It has no direction. That's what's going on in the demonic now. Why? Because the head was cut off. You think Satan? No, not Satan. Satan's seven generals. If you also read in Zechariah, it says that Jesus has eyes to seven places in the world. They're the very seven places that the spirits were sent to at the Tower of Babel. Right? Jesus looks at those seven, I I call them zones for lack of a better word. The world is separated into seven zones, which makes sense because God seems to love the number seven. (laughs) You can see proof of that. And proof of the principalities that lead that when you understand later in, in fact, if you go, I think it's chapter 15 or 16, something like that, when it talks about the first and the second beast. Right? It talks about a dragon with seven heads and ten horns. These are all metaphors. They're not metaphors of nations, guys. I mean, Certainly that could be broken down in those ways, but remember what happens, happens in the spirit first. It is the war waged against God's spirit. So the destruction of the destroyers has been happening. The head's been cut off. But wait a second, that's not all the destroyers. What really brings his kingdom here is the same thing that really defeated Hitler in World War II. Overwhelming force. Overwhelming force. 
Not just on the head, but on everything. That included demoralization of the Germans. It included all of those things. That's what's happening now. The head may have been cut off, but demonic spirits rule in so many people's lives. Are you sitting here? Are you ready to deal with that? When they come to your door because they see a light in you. Are you ready to deal with the demonic authorities in their lives? You carry that authority, but are you ready? That's not something to be afraid of. God wants you to be ready. It's not something to be afraid of at all. I mean, Satan wants you to be afraid. But believe me, that's just a fatal hope for him because of what's coming. I remember the first time I dealt with a possessed person. (laughs) What in the world am I doing? Lord, I don't know how to do this. He said, just trust me. That's what he's telling you now. It's not that you have to go to a 13-week course on how to deal with deliverance. At least that's not what he did to us. He just sent us a demonic spirit that was possessing a person. Here, deal with it. Okay. First thing, let's hold this person down because, you know, we don't want them smacking me in the face anymore or throwing a pot over Michael's head. But then the Lord teaches you, even now, sitting in your seat, trust him to teach you. I can tell you how he taught me, how he taught us. Wasn't, okay, here's the three steps in how to get a demonic spirit out. No, what he focused on is, you need to know who you are. If you knew who you were, you wouldn't even be dealing with this. And for, for all that time, we worked through this process of what that meant. Why? Because the land has to be cleared. Guys, what do you think a billion soul harvest is about? Is it about, well, them finally recognizing that, that Jesus is Messiah and they're going to get saved and woohoo? No. It's about destroying the demonic that comes against them, that keeps deception on them, and literally takes from them their choice. Now, if you say, wait a second, that can't happen. God, God never takes away choice. But by choice, we could give our choice away. What happens when somebody becomes a drug addict? How about a drug addict that shoots up heroin several times a day and do you think they want to do that? No, when they're, when they're sober-minded, they, they, they don't want it at all. But then that choice is taken away because of the need within them of that spirit to be fulfilled. Those are the things that you have authority to go after. They may give it authority. You have the authority to fight that deception. 
Because it's the deception that keeps them from that freedom. God, even right now, is freeing nations. But because a nation is free doesn't mean its people are free. You still go in. You still have to fight the fights. You still have to... The revival will break out as those fights happen. Even right now, the Lord is telling you people to talk to. Even the Lord is bringing people to you. It's nothing compared to what's coming. Like I said, I'm not being facetious when I say they're going to be on your doorstep. They're going to be in your front yard. So trust him. Trust him. Let him teach you who you are in Jesus Christ. Because that seventh trumpet... (laughs) You know, let me... Let me read something else to you here. Revelation 2, verse 26 says, and this was a letter to the church of Thyatira, but but I want to point something out because recognize this is not all, none of this is thousand-year reign stuff. None of this is after the rapture. This is all the readying of the bride. This is all the time in which we live right now including the seven letters to the seven churches. Those were not written to Israel. They were written to the church by Jesus Christ. So understand what's going on here. Verse 26, To the one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. Okay, wait a second. We know Jesus will rule in the the thousand-year reign with a rod of iron. This is different. In fact, here is a foreshadowing of what we've been talking about. A foreshadowing of this mystery. Because Jesus is not giving himself authority over the nations. He already has authority over the nations. He is literally giving it to the ones who conquer. who keep his works until the end. Where it says until the end, that's where we get messed up because we think, well, okay, then that must be like after the rapture. We get our rewards then. That's what I used to think. No, no, no. The end there is till the end of what is required of you. He's preparing you. He's preparing you for now. He's preparing you to rule even now. But but look at what happens. To rule them with a rod of iron. As when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father. So he's right there establishing that this is different than his rule. He will still rule because he is ruling through his people. But this is this grand mystery. The reading of the bride, the rulership of the bride. And this next part is what I love. And I will give him the morning star. Do you know, do you know what that means? Do 
you know what that means? Do you know who the morning star is? A lot of theologians will say, well, that's Jesus. We're going to get Jesus. No. First of all, Jesus is the bright morning star. That's not Jesus. We already have Jesus. Who is the morning star? It's Lucifer. It's Satan. What does it mean that the bride will be given Satan? It means that he will be bound. That he will not be effective. Remember, and and this is not the thousand year reigns, guys. Please don't confuse the two because just like I said about Matthew and Luke, there is a time where the focus will be Israel because of all the promises made to her. That is the thousand year reign. But the foreshadowing of that is the mystery. By the way, why did it have to be a mystery? Because he didn't want Satan to know. I told you we had access to those courts. We we had rulership over over those courts. I remember the day when we had one of those principalities in there and they came in so arrogant and so cocky like we could do nothing to them. We didn't know. We didn't even know anything about anything. We were just doing what God told us to do. And then all of a sudden they were bound and they were cast. I remember Satan's reaction. What? Wait a second. What? I think he did that over, it was over the spirit of the Antichrist, if I recall correctly. Wait a second. You can't bind them. You can't take them out. This is our time. We have our time. And that's what the world thinks. That's what Satan thinks. That's what the demonic think. But guess what? It wasn't true. In fact, God's response was, I never promised you any of those things. I can't wait to see what really turns out because... I think the time that Satan thinks that he's going to get after the rapture and after he's loosed again, I think he's going to be really disappointed because it'll be a blip for him. And it will be to to judge the nations for the sake of Israel. So don't confuse this with the thousand-year reign. Don't confuse this with the tribulation period. Those things will happen. And there is the focus on Israel. Right now, the focus is on the bride. Why? Because Israel rejected it. Do you understand? Israel said no. Otherwise, God would have done what He's doing right now with them. But instead, He grafted in all who would believe. Gentile or Jew, doesn't matter. They all can be part of this family, this bride. And to those who conquer, he's giving the morning star. So even Satan himself will be bound. You're going to see this. You're going to see it. So technically, he gets what's revealed in this mystery. He gets bound twice. Poor guy. He's going to be bound 
in this time of the seventh trumpet. And you see evidence of that because you see later in Revelation that he is cast out of heaven. Is he out of heaven right now? No, he's not. If you know anything about the courts, you know still Revelation 12.10 is still up and running where we have an adversary that fights 24-7 in court about us. But he will be thrown out. He will be thrown out. Those courts will be closed to him. Why? For the purpose, because the, the war has shifted and now it's time to clean up. Now it's time to go and to take land and to free people. And the beauty of that is the Lord's got this special little gift that he's got in store that's going to make all that powerful. And that gift is him. That, it, that gift is the falling of the Holy Spirit. What he promised that more would happen at this time frame than ever happened before. So again, are you ready? Do you see yourself in that scenario? Do. It doesn't take a rocket science scientist. Thank goodness I'm not one. <laughs> it does take faith and takes trust. Let's come on up. We're going to close in prayer, and I just um, I do want to encourage you. Everybody's been talking about, well, when the Spirit falls, we're going to be in church all day long. We're going to be in church a long time. We went, we went a long time this morning. If there's one thing the Lord's been showing us, this whole free will thing, don't think that it'll be just automatically, robotically easier to be in church longer when the Spirit falls. You're still going to have a choice. Um, when you really, really let this Holy Spirit flow, um, you still have to cooperate with what that looks like. Timing-wise... Um, manifestation-wise, all these things. And um, believe me, we've, we've heard it all, especially the beginning of Ignition, um, when, when our services at times would go longer and people would say, well, that's just, Greg's just indulging himself, listening, wanting to listen to himself talk. You can, you can make any kind of, you know, summation of what you're hearing that you desire, but... Um, the thing is, is that the Holy Spirit bears witness of the Holy Spirit in somebody else. And so um, one thing he's been teaching me is let me do what I'm going to do. And are we willing to linger? Um, are we willing to hold our plans fluid? And, and I'm not just talking about church. I'm talking about in the secret place time during the week. How flexible are we with the voice of the Lord changing our plans? Um, how many times I have had an ache in my heart of regret that I was busy and then I later recognized that he was telling me to, to stop, linger, and pray for somebody. But I had stuff I had to do, and I had a plan, and I had somebody that was expecting this and that. And So whether it be for church, for your week, whatever it is, um, man, flow in the Holy Spirit. He will really um, he will help you to be ready for the more that's coming. And I know um, even Angie, I think you said to me that, you know there's a time coming when it's like the Lord's going to say, get to the church, and when you get here, we're not, you're not going home. Now, I don't even, I can't even imagine that. It's like, you know, 
but the Lord, he just wants us to flow with him in whatever that that looks like. And um, he wants all systems of religion out of us. And not for people to take that for granted and have, you know, super long services just because to see how long people can endure and, you know, no water, no breaks. It's not about that. It's just about really letting him be in charge. And really, it's weird, but time does kind of go away. We have, we have been in, we did an almost 12-hour deliverance one time, and we didn't, I mean, it was, it was difficult. It was challenging, and, and we were getting tired and thirsty, but I just remember you, you, we were just so focused on the freedom of this person, and um, the Lord just gave us strength, and we talked about that a little bit in the ladies' class, but don't give up. Don't give up. I needed that for me. I've just things have been hitting me the last several days. I just don't give up, and don't give up what you don't understand. Ask questions. Seek the Lord. Be willing to trust him beyond what you don't understand. And he will give you the revelation, but he'll never satisfy your intellect before he'll build your faith. It's just, it's just the way that it goes. So, um, Father, thank you. Thank you for this word. Thank you for this. this um, your leading in this kind of, of a service this morning where questions are asked and different things are covered. God, we just want your will. And whether it looks like some perfect hermeneutically seminary built perfect three-point outline message um god none of that matters if we're not following what your heart is wanting to share with us and so god we commit these services to you we commit what has been shared what has been asked and shared and given lord just we just commit it to you thank you for your word god Thank you for what you have given us that we can stand firm on your word. But you are your word as much as the written word is your word. You are the word. The word in the beginning was with God and was God. So, Lord, we thank you that as we know you, we know your word and help us to understand more of what you have given us in your written word that is only able to be understood by the power of your Holy Spirit. So I just pray for deeper understanding today and blessing and just an, an increase of strength in each of our faith and everyone who hears this this morning, that we would be ready for this lost, confused um, world in, in more and more turmoil by the day, God, that doesn't have to be if they just trust you. So I just pray you just uh, help us and invigorate and encourage each one listening this morning. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.